Join us now for Call to Worship, dedicated to presenting the truth of God's Word. Call to Worship is sponsored by Zion Chapel. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. Mercy there was great, and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Our scripture, if you have it, to Isaiah chapter 61, reading there the first four verses. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance on our God to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, 
the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old waste places, and shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, and the desolations of many generations. Let's give thanks for this prophecy of Christ that he later quoted and stated to the audience, This day has the scripture been fulfilled, and it's being fulfilled for us, the good news, every day as we hear the gospel preached, to preach good tidings to the meek and to all the other needs that are described here. Let's pray that we'll understand them. Let's pray that we'll be part of knowing our need in repentance and then having that need met by faith in Christ. Our Father, we come to Thee through Christ Jesus, He who is on Thy right hand, He who has been with Thee from eternity and was loved by Thee before the world was formed. We give thanks that he came down here to earth. He who thought it not robbery to be equal with thee, humbled himself, took on him the form of a man, and went to the death of the cross. Because of that, he had been given a name which is above every name, that at his name every name should bow. And we pray that we might learn to do that, to bow in repentance before thee in humbleness, and then to bow in thankfulness to thee, for giving Christ, and for the application of him to us, teaching us by thy word and spirit that we have not believed on him, and then bringing us to believe on him, and on him alone, none of self left. As Paul could say, I died, and that we might die to self and rise to newness of life in Christ. And we pray that for our justification, that we might be made just before thee, having since forgiven, And we pray that we might also have that in Christ and from Christ for sanctification, that we might live a life of thankfulness to thee, of praise, of love, of beginning to do that which thou dost call us to do, but we never did in ourselves. As thou hast said, Lord Jesus, without me you can do nothing. And we know it was sadly true, and we learned it and know it. And now we pray for more of thee that we might live more to thy glory, more hallow thy name, and have thy kingdom to come, and thy will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, in our individual lives, in our homes, in our churches, and then that the church will be a salt and a light to the nation. We pray for that, and we pray for much more of that, that there might be a reviving in the church, awakening in the church, and the church realizing it has become a salt that have lost its savor, in much of our nation, that it is not right to the homes, not right to the government, and not right in the schools. And we pray that there may be a mighty awakening to make the church repent and then be a force for righteousness, a salt and a light in the nation. We pray for those that are in physical needs also. We pray for the sick to be healed. We pray for the hungry to be fed. We pray for the homeless to be blessed and the many that are injured and homeless at the same time. We pray for all of them. We pray for those that are persecuted for righteousness' sake. We pray for many other needs that there are, individually and collectively, throughout all of the world and every nation. And we know that those needs can be met in Christ, in whose name we give thanks. Amen.
Let's come before the Lord and His Word, learning from it. The Spirit of God is upon me. Isaiah writes it down, but it is Christ's words, as we can read in the Gospel of Luke. This day is the Scripture fulfilled in your ears, and He is doing in their hearing what He said here by the pen of Isaiah those 700 years before that. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. His Father, His Spirit, was upon Him. He gives the reason for it, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. Sometimes Christ did it Himself. At other times, He had His message preached by others. First of all, by the prophets. Isaiah is one of them. We saw that particularly from Isaiah 53, very plainly, the gospel given there of Christ dying, he being stripes on him for our iniquities, and by his stripes we are healed, and that is the gospel. Isaiah could preach it. Christ is speaking these many years before he was born on earth, and the Father did anoint him, and it's exactly as he said here, to preach the good tidings unto the meek. He gives many answers and many needs. I think there are about eight different needs here. First of all, the meek, then the brokenhearted, the captives, those that are in prison, those that mourn. The word mourning is used three times in the end of it. We will not only be comforted and be called to salvation, but in the end, those that have that blessing of justification will be also the planting of the Lord to give glory to the Lord, as we were in the last part of the third verse, called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. You know how we need that. And we need to know that anything and from any source other than that. As Christ said, every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. The best we'll have is, like the parable of the sower, the shallow ground. There's an imitation. It might spring up with joy, but it has no root. It's not rooted in Christ, the solid rock. And that's what we need to know. The Father teaches us in such a way, as Christ said, written in the prophets, that they will be taught of God, and all that are taught of God come, Christ said to me, or they come to him after being taught by the Father, by the Word and Spirit. Some more of the teaching, Christ is stating it himself, have sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, and all the different things that he is doing. He did them before this was written. He did it to Abel. He did it to Abraham. He did it to David and many others that were believers through the years. And we have to see that as well. We read just recently about Moses and Elijah being with the Lord Jesus on what was called the Mount of Transfiguration. They were there in glory. Christ was transfigured, glistening. And then a cloud came and said, This is my beloved Son. Hear ye him. And they talked about the decease of Christ. So Moses and Elijah knew about that. And they talked to Christ about what was coming. The apostles didn't seem to understand it, but Moses and Elijah did, and they talked to Christ about it, 
even in the presence of Peter and James and John, but Peter and James and John went to sleep. They didn't hear it, and they weren't awake to hear the message of the gospel as it was being discussed in their presence. So we need to hear the good tidings as we have it here in the middle part of this first verse of Isaiah 61. It is good tidings. We can't say that with enough emphasis. It's really the only good news in the world. There are other things that are good, but not perfectly good. It's only the gospel of Christ that saves. It's only the gospel of Christ that keeps. It's only the gospel of Christ and Christ through the gospel that brings us to be trees of God's planning, to do what we should have done before ourselves, but never did it. And as Christ said the night before he died, without me, you can do nothing, nothing to the glory of God, nothing to the true love to our neighbor, nothing that is in the way of God's kingdom and the way of his will being done on earth as it is in heaven, only by the power of Christ, only because of the love of Christ in the first place to die for us, to rise again. Because of that, we can rise with him. First of all, we have to die with him. As Paul said, recorded in Romans chapter 7, and I died. He died to hope and self. He was a Pharisee, probably very proud of being better than the rest, having washed the outside of the cup, but did not have any righteousness, only a surface, only hypocrisy. He learned that, and he died to any hope that he had before and had a new life in Christ for justification, but also for sanctification. In the first part of Romans 7, he talks about learning his sin and the way of righteousness. In the last part, he talks also about his sin and the way of righteousness, but there in sanctification. The first part, justification. He bemoaned and said, O wretched man that I am. In the present tense, the earlier part, what he was before he was a Christian, and then what he was as a Christian. In the last part of Romans 7, he's talking about the present time as an apostle, calling himself a wretched man. But, like we have here, the joy of salvation. He says, Who shall deliver me from the body of this wretchedness? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And all that's here is what Paul was experiencing as he described Christ as the answer for him. And here, Christ is stating, He anointed me to preach the good tidings to the meek, That's the beginning of salvation. The gospel is to be preached to every creature. That's the command of Christ. We have that command here today. He gave that as he left the earth, that the gospel is to be preached to every creature with a promise, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. With a warning, he that believeth not shall be damned. Sinners are described as being under the wrath of God if they do not have the Son. And if they continue that way, it will be 
damnation eternally. So we have good tidings to the guilty, good tidings to the meek, to those that know they're guilty and become humble before God. As Christ said, except you be converted and become as a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. We have to come and say, Lord, teach me. I don't know. We read many that have thought they knew the way, they knew it intellectually, some even preached, they knew it historically, but they did not know it in experience of really how to be before God brokenhearted. That's not natural. We're talking about self-esteem, thinking well of ourselves. We read Paul's warning, men will be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, as he writes to Timothy. The last days, that will be there. As there today, we are living in a terrible way in our country. Awful, awful, awful things are happening. Terrible for the young people. I think you know them, the awfulness of it, the murder of the unborn, what the children are taught in the schools. If we begin to know that, it should make us brokenhearted because we're part of the problem. And without Christ, we don't have the answer. Again, those words of Christ record in John chapter 15. Without me, you can do nothing, as it was before the Great Awakening, when they saw the doctrine that was corrupt, and they saw people living wrongly, old and young. They were afraid the Spirit was gone. Those that were seeking the Lord were afraid they couldn't be saved because the Spirit was gone. That's certainly for those that are troubled about their sin and brokenhearted, It's a hopeless situation. But here we have Christ sent to bind up the brokenhearted. And that's what he did in the Great Awakening. Edwards began to preach against the error of Arminianism, free willism, work salvation. And he preached a number of sermons on salvation, faith in Christ alone. That alone has to be emphasized. Not what we do in part, not what we do first, he has to begin it in us, and he has to finish it. As Paul described him, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. He has the object of it, for sure, but also we live by the faith of Christ, as Paul describes it, as well as the faith in Christ. And Christ is here saying, He anointed me to preach the good tidings to the meek, to bind up the brokenhearted. He preaches the good tidings of his death and his resurrection, and then he applies it. He binds up the brokenhearted. He heals them. Another way to describe it is that we read in Luke 15, where he is pictured as the good shepherd that goes in the wilderness and finds the sheep that's lost, puts it on his shoulders, and brings it back. Here it is, binding the brokenhearted. He is doing that. He binds up their wounds. He binds up their troubles. He binds up their sins and says, it's laid on me. I'm the sin bearer. And then he gives further instruction in how to find the release to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those that are bound. Let's learn here not only what he does, but who he does it to. To the captives. Have you known yourself a captive? 
a captive of Satan, taken by him at his will, as Paul says to Timothy, as we also read by Christ saying, the works of your father, the devil, you will do. They're captive to his lies. They're captive to his murderous, hateful ways. That's what we sang. Years I spent in vanity and pride. We're captives of that emptiness, pride. There's no reason for either. We should not spend our time in vanity. It should be in striving to seek the Lord when we need to find him, and then striving to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him after we become his child and search for ways to build the kingdom of God, to give it to others as God has given it to us. And we need to do that. As he proclaimed liberty to us when we were captive, we will want to do the same to others. All this here has to take place individually. It has to take place actually in our life. Liberty to the captives. I was a captive for 28 years of vanity and pride, emptiness and prideful ways, thinking I was a good Christian when I was only an outward church member, but not a sinner saved by Christ, not a sinner saved by the grace of God. And we need both. We need to know that Christ died for us, but we need to know that the application of it, the experience of it, comes by the grace of God or the undeserved mercy in the way he calls us when we're dead in sin, calls us when we are hiding from him, calls us when we hate the truth. I think of a person once who hated one of the sermons that was preached in our church. He told three people about it for hours, spent hours telling people how bad that sermon was. And God used the same sermon to save another person that was lost at the same time he was hating it. The only thing I can think of is that he was doing what Christ said. He hated the light. He probably needed it as much as that one that said, I needed that sermon and the Lord used it to save me. But the devil used it for him to hate and to show his hatred of the truth and hatred of the light. As Christ said, everyone that does evil hates the light. We don't want the light shining on us. And that's probably why he didn't like that sermon, that message. When we think of it, we have to preach it as God gives it. We have to do as Paul said. We have not shunned to declare the whole counsel of God. He summed it up as repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Often we think of repentance as only doing better things. First of all, repentance is knowing how bad we are, knowing what bad things we have done and that there's no hope of deliverance from them in ourselves. only to be forgiven by Christ and only to be changed by Christ. As Paul says to the church at Rome, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he has none of his. We need him to die for us on the cross, to shed his blood, and we need him to live in us. Again, referring to what he said, recorded in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do 
nothing, nothing. That's Christ's words. That's the words of him as a prophet. We need to believe him in teaching us as well as believing in him as dying for us. And if we don't believe in him as a teacher, how bad we are, how hopeless we are, how nothingness we are, then we can't believe in him rightly as dying for our sin because we don't believe our sin is there, the hopelessness of it. So he has delivered the captive. He has to open the prison of them that are bound. Most people, when they're present, they don't want to be there. But when it's a spiritual prison, we have chosen it. We want to listen to Satan. We're not in an actual prison, literally, but we are in the prison of lies. We're in the prison, as again the song said, vanity and pride. That's the prison that keeps us locked up away from God, keeps us in foolishness, pride, only in a wrong place before God. We read God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What hope is there if God resists us? One hope, he can overcome the proud. Just like Christ said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man in the kingdom of heaven. The apostle says, who then can be saved? Christ's answer was, what's impossible with man is possible with God. And we have to see the same thing with pride. It's impossible for a proud man to be saved in himself. He never will be. But God can change that pride to humbleness. He can change that pride to becoming meek, as we read here. Anointing me to preach good tidings to the meek, to bind up the brokenhearted, to preach liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison of them that are bound, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of the vengeance of our God, and to comfort all that mourn. Then the second time mourning is mentioned, the first part of the third verse, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes. And then the third time we have the word mourning in the middle part of that third verse, the oil of joy for mourning. The oil of joy. What does oil do? It makes things go smoothly. It also makes things last. If you were ever a farmer, you would know that things had to be oiled. And if they weren't oiled, they would go hard or they would wear out. And so we need the oil of joy. Naturally, we are proud and don't think of either joy or mourning. But when it comes to God's teaching, we begin to mourn. And then we know we need the oil of joy. We need the joy of the Lord, which gives deliverance, and which he does give in deliverance, in salvation. But also, we know it can be taken away. David said, after he had sinned as a child of God, return unto me the joy of thy salvation. It was taken away. Another place we read his words, that before he confessed transgression, his bones waxed old, troubled, like aching bones. And that's what we are. No joy if we're not right with the Lord. Joy comes from God when he makes us right. Part of the blessing that he gives is not only faith and love, but joy. Many times we read of Christ's words, these things have I spoken unto you, that your joy might be full. Oh, how we need that today. A right joy in the Lord. Not the light vanity that we have and the foolishness that we have, the lies that we have, 
but we need joy that's a reality in our home, in our individual life, in our church, and then there's hope for the nation. We need to come as sinners ourselves, first of all, to be saved, and secondly, to be a salt and a light in this dark world and dark nation. Will we be that, you and I? Ask God to teach us. To God be the glory, great things He hath done. So loved He the world that He gave us His Son. Thanks for listening to Call to Worship. If you have questions or comments regarding today's program, you can write to Zion Chapel, 937 Royce Avenue, Holland, Michigan, 49423. Or their email address is worship at calltoworship.org. For more information on Call to Worship and its ministry, visit their website at calltoworship.org. Listen again next week at this time for Call to Worship, sponsored by Zion Chapel. Praise the Lord.